0: to introduce the message. I substitute teach at the public school and also at the Christian school and I'm known as a man of stories. Well, this one pertains to Pastor Jones. Pastor Jones was a Methodist pastor. Of course, he couldn't have been Assemblies of God with a story like this. He candidated at this country church. The church had been without a pastor for about a year, and so they were anxious to get a pastor, see. And so Pastor Jones went and candidated, and, and they really liked his message. Following the service, there was a potluck lunch. They just love potlucks. I do too. Because there was a lot of older folks. and How many people like potlucks here? Look at that. Look at the hands raised. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, they had a potluck lunch. And following the potluck lunch, there was um, a meeting of the search committee to talk with Pastor Jones about who he was, about his family, about his ministry, where he wanted to lead a church to go. And Pastor Jones went, and he answered all the questions right. And it's kind of like, man, we just love this guy. They liked him enough. So, that a couple of the people on the search committee that afternoon called around to the members of the church. And they said, after our potluck supper tonight, that's two potlucks on one Sunday, after our potluck supper tonight, we're going to have a vote. So, they got enough people there for a quorum, and they had a vote. And the vote was unanimous. Isn't that neat? Totally unanimous. Pastor Jones would be their new pastor. Everybody was happy and thrilled. The next Sunday comes around, and Pastor Jones preaches the exact same message. Not only that, the next week comes around, and wouldn't you know, the same message. Three weeks in a row, finally some people went to the deacons and complained a little. They said, what's going on here? This guy, doesn't he know anything else? And the deacons got together and decided if Pastor Jones preached the same message four weeks in a row, that they were were going to send the chairperson to talk with him. How many have ever heard this story? It's pretty fresh then for most of you. Okay. It happens on the fourth Sunday. Guess what? Pastor Jones preached exactly the same message. So the head deacon went to talk with him and said, Pastor Jones, don't you have any other sermons? He said, oh yes, I have plenty of sermons, but once the church puts this one into practice, we'll get on to the next one. Well, it happens that about two months ago, is Pastor John here? No, I guess he stepped out for a little bit. Pa- okay. it hap- Oh, that's right. He's downstairs. Pastor Tom asked Pastor John and me to preach, and he said, can anyone preach on these epistle nuggets? And I said, yeah, God has been really kind of speaking to my heart about it. There we are. Golden nuggets. And wouldn't you know, Pastor Tom preached on this two weeks ago. And I said, Lord, what should I do? And guess what he said? They need to hear it again, but it's not the same sermon. Oh, Lord. You know, life is fun with God. (laughs) But the title of this one will be Ingredients for Godly Living. How many good cooks do we have in the church today? Pam, please raise your hand. I know there's one back there. She cooks on Wednesday night. But I have to say this, and I might be a little partial My wife is the very best. Okay. You can, but I know what I'm talking about. There are not many people that use zucchini in their cooking. But Pam, I tell you, she came up with a zucchini quiche. And Pastor John was at our house one night and had some. You talk about delicious. If you've never had zucchini quiche, I think it takes even two cups of this stuff. The only way to make zucchini taste good is to put it in with something else. Because without that, it's tasteless. Am I right? Pretty close. It's pretty close. Okay. Some people eat to live. But this guy here lives to eat. And I like to eat good food. We have a counter in our kitchen that's all full of cookbooks and recipes. And I mean, it is full. And it's not unusual for once a week for Pam to say, this is a new recipe. Can you imagine? Well, she makes chocolate zucchini cake. Zucchini with chocolate. Walnuts and chocolate bits, it's to die for. Better than chocolate cake because you have some moisture in it from the zucchini. Really, really good. Even after it's frozen, you take it out and thaw it out, it's just as good. Good stuff. Can you imagine making a chocolate cake and deciding, I think I'm going to make this thing up and not use, only use the ingredients I feel like. I'm not going to put in any chocolate or flour, or sugar, or eggs, or oil. And what do you end up with? A whole lot of nothing. Totally tasteless. But sometimes, you know what? We live our Christians' lives that way. And we wonder, why isn't this thing happening right here? It's because there need to be ingredients put in that we're going to be talking about today. Turn with me to Philippians in chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. By the way, Pastor Tom preaches a little different than I do. He kind of teaches, and I oftentimes preach from personal experience. Uh, in just it, We have a different method. That doesn't make him right or me wrong. It makes me right and him wrong. No, it makes us <laughs> different, that's all. And that's okay. It's Okay. The Apostle Paul starts out with this. The first ingredient in godly living, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. And some days we sit back and say, woe is me. Rejoice means a couple of different things. One is to delight in the Lord. The psalmist King David in Psalms 37:4 said this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Boy, the first time I read that, I said to myself, that means if I'm happy in the Lord, he'll give me anything I want. And guess what? That's not what that scripture means at all. It means this as we delight in him, he will put the desires in our hearts. That he wants there. Okay. That's a little different than giving us anything we want. He wants to give us what we should have. But then that's rejoice even goes deeper than that. Rejoice also means take great pleasure in. God takes great pleasure in his children. He takes Great pleasure in you today. In Luke in chapter 15 and verse 10, when one sinner repents, all the angels in heaven rejoice. What are they rejoicing about? Because God's taking great pleasure and he gets heaven into a party. When people repent, There's a party that takes place in heaven. Can you think of that? Imagine that. The angels are banging their heads going, yes, give me five. Yes, God takes great pleasure in His children, especially those that are striving to follow Him with all their hearts. I have four adult children. My oldest son, Chip, is 41. He's going to be 42 in January. In Charities... 39, Paul is 37, and Patience, who most of you know, is 35. At one time in our home, we could say this Two, four, six, eight, who do you appreciate? And guess what? It wasn't mom and dad. But I can tell you this that I was the second person to hold our little babies. Pam was the first, I was the second. And you talk about taking great pleasure in. Lord, thank you for this little bundle of joy. And that's what God does with us when we repent. He says, what a great bundle of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, take great pleasure in him and let him thrill your heart because he will when you take great pleasure in him. Second ingredient for godly living, let gentleness, your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness means mild and soft and self-controlled. But not being harsh or severe. Now, I don't know if any of you know who's, people that are great gentlemen. I know that seven and a half years ago, we had a kitchen makeover. And I'll tell you something about our kitchen. We bought a big house over in 11th and Illinois. In our kitchen, the, the paint on the wall was so bright, it was a neon yellow. You could walk in that room with the lights off at night and see, still see everything. It was so bright. But the cupboards and sink, the whole nine yards was in disarray, and we knew we were going to have to have a kitchen makeover. And so we called a man that we found out who is a gentleman. I was a gentleman. His, some of you know him, Sylvan Fast. Isn't he a gentleman? I've never met such a man that's such a gentleman. And he did over our cupboards, and he put in... Granite countertops, the whole nine yards, and we were pleased. But in talking with him, it was kind of like you felt like you got a piece of God somehow. See. I substitute teach at school and I let the kids know this. I'm not a yeller. I'm going to speak to you softly and you're going to listen. There's no reason I should have to yell at all. And they kind of quiet down and listen for a while, anyway. <laughs> Revelation three twenty is a picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. And here it says, let's see, three twenty. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in and eat with him, and he with me. Now the picture, and maybe you've seen pictures of this, no doorknob on the outside, only on the inside. But Jesus doesn't come to the door of our heart and go, wham, 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 let me in, let me in. Or He doesn't come to the door and try to kick it in and say, let me in or I'm going to kick the door down. No. Jesus comes as a gentleman and gently knocks. And says, are you there this time? Are you at home? Because if you are, open the door. Very soft spoken, but he's a gentleman. And I can tell you this, I'm glad that I serve a Savior that's a gentleman. And I can tell you, he is. You might say, well, yeah, but he didn't let people walk all over him. No, he didn't. Talk to the money changers in the temple and you'll find out he didn't. Oh, no. But when he came to someone that needed him, like a man named Zacchaeus, a short guy up in a tree, and Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to your house today. And Jesus went to his house and Zacchaeus became a believer because he enjoyed the presence of Jesus. And then there was a lady that was caught in the act of adultery. And he said to her, ma'am, where are your accusers? They all left. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He was even a gentleman in the worst of circumstances. But I can tell you this, for those that seemed self-righteous, he wasn't such a gentleman. Because what did he call them? A bunch of vipers? Oh, he even called them whitewashed sepulchers, all sorts of stuff. But for those who really needed him, he was a gentleman. And my friends, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And he's calling gentlemen and gentle ladies to be his servants. Amen? Amen. And then the third ingredient, as it mentions here, No anxiety, but prayer and petition. Why worry when we can pray if we really believe that God answers prayer? God can direct things a whole lot better than I can and a lot better than you can. We only see the surface of a situation, but God looks down into the very heart of it and is able to know what is best. And we, we would say, God, go sick them. <laughs> But the Lord knows what they really need. They don't need to be sick. They need Him. I've mentioned in senior adult Bible study before, what would God do if we had a dozen to two dozen gay people in our church? I can tell you what He would do. He would not condemn them like we would. He would love the gay right out of them. That's just the way he is. Why? Because they need him. They need him, even as, they need him as bad as we need him, right? That doesn't mean we shouldn't stand up and say what's right. But I think sometimes we say too much. When we need to love them with the love of Christ. So, prayer and petition. And then it says, with thanksgiving. How many had turkey for Thanksgiving Day? Okay. I can tell you this, that I think Thanksgiving is one of the most underrated holidays there is. Okay? You even see homes decorated outside for Halloween. Do you see much decoration for Thanksgiving? No. Once in a while you'll see a pumped up turkey, that's it. But the thought in in the United States of America is this. Thanksgiving Day is a day that I get off from work where I can go hunting and I can watch the parade and football on TV and then I can eat turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, and pumpkin pie and that's it. And miss the whole thing. God wants us to truly give thanks to Him. In Luke in chapter 17 There's a story about ten lepers. Jesus was coming into this town, and the lepers were saying, Master Jesus, have pity on us. Jesus said, what do you want? We want to be healed of this leprosy. Didn't even go very close to them, and he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Hey, these guys were full of leprosy. The Bible says this, As they went, they were healed. It doesn't say that Jesus healed them at the beginning. Now go yourself. No. As they obeyed him, they were healed. But there was one little problem, and that is only this one Samaritan came back and gave him thanks. And Jesus said to that Samaritan, he said, didn't I heal ten here? Didn't I, wasn't there ten? What is it this, this one comes back who's a foreigner? My question to you is this. If you were one of the lepers, would you have been one that would have come back to praise and thank him? I remember my uncle Leslie, years and years ago, when I was 12 years old, needed to have some help. He was pouring a foundation. The truck was there with all you know, the thing turning around for the cement, but the cement had to go in wheelbarrows that time. And I worked like a slave. I worked hard that day, 12 years old, pushing the wheelbarrows over and dumping. That was heavy. I was only 12-year-old. And I got home, and my dad said to me, well, how did it go? And I said, Dad, it went well. And I wasn't expecting any pay. That's fine. But at least Uncle Leslie could have said, thank you, Charles. Never a word of thank you. And my dad, for years after that, if I ever did anything for him, always remembered to say thank you. And I can tell you this, those are two words in the English language that are used way too little, and that is thank you. Because... We need to show appreciation. It's one thing to say thank you. It's quite another to show thank you. How can we show the Lord thank you? Jesus said more than once, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if we love him, lip service is cheap. We need to obey him and do what he has said And our lives will show, thank you, Lord. And that's what God wants from His people for us to show Him, thank you. We need to live a life of gratitude. We need to have an attitude of gratitude and show God that we thank Him. And number four ingredient is the peace of God. Peace of God. And it says here in Philippians chapter 4, which transcends all understanding in Christ Jesus. Is there anyone here that's never experienced a storm in life? If you haven't, your days are coming. There's a story in Luke in chapter 8, a true happening, verses 20 through, through 25. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over onto the other side. They got in the boat and got, went out on the lake. And it says, Jesus fell asleep in the boat. Okay. And a storm, a squall came up. And they're about ready to capsize. And one of the disciples woke him up and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus stands up and says, speaks to the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. (laughs) They subsided, and Jesus said to his disciples, oh, you of little faith. And his disciples started talking about, wow, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. We've had a few storms in our life, but I can tell you this. When you put Jesus in the middle of that storm, he will stand up and say, peace, be still. But you have to put him in the middle of it with you, see. I know we have a son, Paul, Ethan's dad, when he was three years old, he had leukemia. And you talk about a storm. And it's kind of like we prayed all the prayers and we cried all the tears. And then God sent someone. They were were supposed to be babysitters, but they came, and instead of us paying them, they gave us money. Because they wanted to bless us. And then they prayed in our place. And God sent them to us for that storm in our lives. And I'll tell you, I will never forget it, Don and Mary, as long as I live. Because God was there in the middle of the storm. Happiness comes... From circumstances, but true peace comes from the Lord in spite of the circumstances. That peace of the Lord transcends our understanding. It is a hymn that says, peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. In the presence of our Savior, there is peace. And then the fifth ingredient in godly living is think on these things. In verse 8. Read the newspaper. Watch the news on TV. Even the stuff they call that's fair and balanced. And most of you know what I'm saying. You'll get some kind of somebody's interpretation and most of the news is no good news at all. It tells us what bad shape the world is in and how, how bad people's hearts are. Joe Blow shoots his wife and three kids and here he is. The end thing he does is shoots himself. Isn't that great news? Huh. Boy, if I, I, I mentioned it last year, wasn't it? When, a couple of years ago. If Jesus was running for president, what ticket would he run on? And I think I have the answer. He would run on the transformed ticket. It comes from Romans in chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. It says this I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. In verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, Jesus would run, run on the transformed ticket. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And guess what they would do? They would crucify him again. You think? I believe it. But we are called as God's people to renew our minds. Think about those things that are true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Renew your mind daily in the Word, and in prayer, and in your service to the Lord. My friends, your mind is a precious thing. It needs to be fed the right stuff. I heard someone say one time, as far as your mind is concerned, junk in, junk out. God in, God out. Have the mind of Christ. Do you know that God's way to your heart is through your mind? He has a way of getting into our hearts, but usually he channels it through our minds. In other words, you might think, oh, God took my heart by surprise. Yes, but it came through your thinking and into your heart. God needs his people to have renewed minds. Have the mind of Christ. Yes? There are are ingredients for godly living. The first is, rejoice in the Lord. Can we say hallelujah together? Hallelujah! In every language, hallelujah means the same thing, by the way. And then, be gentle. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And put in the peace of God. And finally, put in this, think on those things. We are here today for the Lord. He is here for you. If you don't have all these ingredients in your life, and you would like prayer, or if you're missing one or missing two, and you would like prayer, we're here today for that. Would you stand with me, please? Maybe you haven't done much rejoicing lately. And you need to. Maybe you haven't been very gentle. And you need to. Maybe you've prayed and not really believed that God could answer. And especially prayed with thanksgiving. And you need to. Maybe you haven't known the peace of God. Or experienced the peace of God. And you know you need to. And maybe you've been thinking on the wrong things. And you know you need to put your mind on Christ. And you need to. I want to encourage you this morning. If you fall into any of those categories, to take a step of faith and come come on up here. And I want to pray for you. Anyone at all this morning. Come right up. Tell you this, God is here for you today. He's here for you, and don't miss it. Lord, Hallelujah. Lord. Lord we thank you we can be honest with you. We can rationalize things in our own minds, but the reality of it is without you, we are nothing. And Lord, for those that have come forward today asking for prayer, I pray in Jesus' name where rejoicing is needed that you would impart rejoicing. Lord, I pray today where gentleness is needed that you would impart gentleness. And Lord, where prayer and petition with thanksgiving is needed, I pray that you would impart faith to believe you even for the impossible. And Lord, I pray for where peace is needed, that you would give the peace of God that passes all understanding. And Lord, I pray that where we need to renew our minds, that we would think on the good things of God. Lord. what is needed, even now in Jesus' name. Reach down into the hearts of these that have come to the altar, and I pray that you would give them their heart's desire. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. We can trust you to do more than we could ever think or imagine in our lives. Lord, we give these dear ones to you. We give this congregation to you. We ask, God, that you would do your good work in us today. Do your good work in us this week. But, Lord, we pray that you would make us more like yourself. That we would be fit for your coming, Lord. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you want to make a place of prayer here at the altar or at your seats, you're more than welcome. And if you need to go at this time, you're dismissed. And Lord, go with us. We.